Good evening, everyone. Thank you all for coming here this evening uh, to our number two, our seminar number two, two of 16. We're already almost one-eighth of the way through already. It's amazing. Um, good to have you all. Um, are we on air as well? Okay, so anybody out there listening, I hope you're going to enjoy what we're going to be um, discussing this evening. It's actually uh, lesson two of the Daniel seminar but it's also chapter two of the book of Daniel, a very interesting chapter, as will turn out. So before we get started, there's a few housekeeping rules. One of them's to make this clicker work. Uh-huh. Um, how the seminar will be conducted, the questions can be asked during the program, um, but you please raise your hand and uh, wait for myself to respond to it. Um, always direct questions or comments to the leader. That way there's no across the room arguments going on. It's all through the guy at the front. If opinions differ, if opinions differ, there is room for disagreement but always in an agreeable spirit. Each participant is to help encourage a friendly spirit at all times. I'm just actually putting my phone on silent because I know it is going to ring. Uh, all lesson materials. Um, and Bibles are free to those who complete the seminar, otherwise they must be returned. From tonight, each succeeding study unit yep, um, will be given out in advance for students, and some units may contain extra references. Okay, now we'll get into lesson number two. I just wanted to share that again. You won't get this every lesson. It's usually for one or two, because some people don't make it to the first one, they make it to the second one, and sometimes those who come to the first one need to be reminded of the rules in the second one, so that's good. All right, we're about to do lesson two, so we'll put it up there, and we'll, we'll do what we always do. We're going to ask for guidance from the Lord. So Father, we just thank you so much that you brought us here safely. If there's others still traveling, Please watch over them and bring them here safely as well. Father, for those who are ill, who can't be here because of sickness, or for any other reason that is not of their own volition, Father, I ask that um, your presence will be strongly felt with them, and if they need healing, that you will heal them. Lord, as we go into this lesson, once again, we ask that the Holy Spirit will be our teacher and guide, because the subjects that we want to learn here are very important, and they must be because you've You've put them into scripture for us to uh, study and understand. So be with us now. Bless each one of us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> what we're going to be looking at tonight is Daniel being sentenced to death. Right from the get-go, here we are having death sentence thrown, thrown around. We find when astrology failed... Um, we look at why the human race can never destroy itself, even though it looks like it tries to from time to time. It just cannot do that. And there are seven words that have stopped the world from uniting. 
and not one of those words is Brexit, by the way. So I just thought I'd share that with you. Seven words that we'll pick up from the book of Daniel. All right, <clears throat> let's get into this then. Soon after Daniel's appointment to the royal staff, strife broke out in the palace. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, which seemed to contain evil omens. He called anxiously for his magicians, his astrologers, sorcerers and Chaldeans, those are scholar priests, to explain the dream to him. Tell your servants the dream and we will show the interpretation, replied the wise man. I don't know about any of you, but have you ever had a dream or you know someone has had a dream and you've discussed it with each other and you try and interpret it? It helps if someone shares with you what that dream is, doesn't it? And then you can almost make anything from it too when you do that. <clears throat> and these wise men said, um, tell your servants a dream and we'll show the interpretation. Now, according to the scripture it says, but he could not remember it when he awoke. I've got it here in my notes, but the king had either forgotten his dream or if I was you and I had this real important dream and these men were famous for interpreting dreams, I think I'd want to substantiate their greatness and their authenticity by making it a little bit more difficult than you normally would. And I don't know, but I always put down Nebuchadnezzar as a real intelligent man. And I think if he thought this dream was of so much importance, that's why he said, tell me the dream and the interpretation. That's what I think. I don't think he forgot. If you forgot the dream, why is he worrying about it? You get me? And see, and it's, and it's so vivid. I mean, it's an idol for crying down the kitchen sink. How do you forget an idol if it's standing up there with four gold... For, for, for metals. So <clears throat> he says to them, come on, tell me the, what I saw in the dream and give me the meaning he demanded. And the astrologers were stunned. Impossible, they said. Unreasonable, they protested. Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will give its interpretation. Well, his anger rising, what threat did, threat did Nebuchadnezzar make? If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, yes, you shall be given 10-day holidays? No, what was it? Cut in pieces, yes. I'm not too sure I would have liked to have heard that. In fact, let's read verse 8. Daniel 2 verse 8 says, The king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. Isn't that interesting? I just wanted to point that out. He says that you're, you're stalling for time. You're trying to gain time. Um, I, I needed to point that out, right? Because um, that was in that first nine verses. If you do not make known to me, I'll cut you into pieces. Stalling for time. Question two. <clears throat> yeah, you want time. Question two. 
What admission did the frightened magicians make about their inability to reveal the unknown? What do they say? There's not a man on earth. Yeah, who can tell the king's matter? Only the gods could do this. And the implication, of course, is the gods don't talk to these people. Then they're starting to, there's big chinks showing in their armour, so to speak. All right, question three. Nebuchadnezzar was furious. Come on, furious. Um, the Babylonian wise men claimed to have supernatural insights into the unknown, but they were failing him. What decree did he issue? And we put it up there, what decree did he issue? The choice of three. Which one did you, you know, did you... I've got here, um, let's go from the bottom. A decree to destroy all the advisors except Daniel. Was that the, no, that wasn't it, was it? Or a decree to implore special help from his god Marduk or Bel? No. Nah. So it's got to be, of course, yeah, death decree upon all the wise men. And that's what you do when you're furious, isn't it? It's a blanket threat. You just throw it out there. Bang. Okay, get rid of them all. Yeah, cut them into pieces. Oh, that'll do. You, you knew it was A anyways. Okay. All right. Um, Daniel's life in the balance. When Daniel learned that his life and the lives of all the wise men were in peril, he went straight to the king. Now, what request did he put before him? Verse 16. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, he asked for time. Now, you kind of got to look at the, um, the irony in this, don't you? The other guy's... King Nebuchadnezzar reckons they were stalling for time. And the very first thing he says, verse 16, he says, um, what is, how's he put it? So Daniel went to in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. I think the difference is, is that he was offering a possible solution with the from the same outcome that the others were asking for, but they said they couldn't give an, an answer. So, yeah, give me time. No, not at this particular point here, but he, yeah, you're right, he didn't mention wanting to know the dream, but he did say, give me time to, to come up with the interpretation. I love it. It's good stuff, isn't it? All right. <clears throat> Question five. Ah, oh, jumped the jump. Yeah, good. Um, on returning to his house after his encounter with Nebuchadnezzar, what did Daniel do in attempt to avert execution? Did he try to think of a plan to escape from the city, or did he blame God for the trouble he and his friends were in? How often do we hear that? <clears throat> did he suffer a nervous breakdown? I'm not sure that I would not have, but he did not. So I'm guessing, and I don't need to guess because this was the absolute truth, he what? He organised a prayer group. Now, isn't that the thing to do when you've got a problem that seems insurmountable? In fact, we shouldn't even wait for them to be insurmountable before we go to the Lord. But he called the guys together and said, hey, guys, we've got to pray. Got to pray. So he organised a prayer group to seek help from God. All right. All right, 
There was only one hope for Daniel and the wise men of Babylon. <clears throat> Their lives depended upon an answer to prayer. How did God answer the prayers of the four Hebrews? Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night, yes, a night vision. All right. But you can get, get there down. I'll get a taste of this. <coughs> Looking at some vital points. Daniel praises God for he hears and answers prayer. Also, God is in charge of the earth. Daniel always acknowledges this. He removes, come on. He removes kings and he sets them up. That's God's prerogative and he does that. He reveals deep and hidden secrets and he answered their prayer and the king's request. All right. Now the king's dream. King's dream. Um, before I go any further, I've often asked this in other occasions with this in mind. Does God answer the prayer or does he give dreams to non-Christians or to non-believers? Yeah, yeah, he can speak to us for a conscious, but my question specifically is, does he give, say, visions and dreams to non-believers? We're actually looking at an example right now. That's right. And it's amazing because outside of a Daniel seminar, if you ever ask that, you know what people say? No way. God is not interested in unbelievers. But like we were talking today in a Bible study, and there's what, about 17 billion people on this planet? They're, and they're all children of God. Just a lot of them don't, don't know it yet. Yeah, and there's been many conversions in foxholes too during the war, so yes. yeah. All right, the King's Dream, we'd better go back. But I just sort of, um, it, I, I love scripture, I love study that, that makes you think outside your skull, you know, make you really go out there, it's brilliant. All right, um, so Daniel now knew the secret of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, when brought before the king again, who did Daniel tell him was the author of the dream and what was the dream's purpose? The author? But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be when? <coughs> in the future. In the latter days, it said in scriptures. In the future. Notice that the king's dream was a prophecy, something to do with the last days. So very clearly, right from chapter 2, anybody that debunks Daniel has got to start fighting right from verse 28 of chapter 2. The visions are all about latter days, not about then, there, now. Okay, so what did the king seen? What did the king seen? Nebuchadnezzar had seen a huge man-like image composed of various metals with head, 
body, arms, legs and feet. The dream ended with a stone hurtling through space and smashing the image. Its fragments were blown away like chaff in the wind. The stone became a great mountain which filled the whole earth. Note that God communicates to King Nebuchadnezzar in a way he can understand. Not, it wasn't about us. It's not what we think he should do. God knows how to communicate with different individuals. He uses an idol or a statue, right? So question eight. After reading this verse, can you name the various metals of the image? And I know you can. The head was of gold. The chest and arms of silver. Belly and thigh, bronze. Legs, iron feet. Oops, it jumped in the... Not even waiting for me. There we go. Wow. Yeah, that's it. Okay. <coughs> so Daniel interprets the dream. That's the dream. Who was represented by the gold head? Oh, you, King Nebuchadnezzar, you are that head of gold. Over which empire was he ruler? Babylon, yeah. Okay, so the head of gold represent Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, Babylon. Aha. Uh -huh. Reign from 605 to 538 BC, the head of gold. All right, question 10. How, now notice... The other parts of the image, the chest and arms of silver, <coughs> belly and thighs of bronze, the legs of iron. Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar that these three metals represented three major kingdoms that would follow Babylon. According to history, which three kingdoms were they? Well, the silver is Medo-Persia, conquered Babylon in 538 BC. Um, the bronze, air yeah, Greece, and they defeated Medo-Persia in 331 BC, and the iron, of course, was therefore Rome, yeah, and overcame Greece by 168 BC. The four metals then represented Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Now, on page 12, Exhibit 1 on page 12, how did you go with the exhibit on page 12? We'll go through them. I think you would have got this right, and if you haven't got it right, it's just a case of filling in, I guess. So, I've got a feeling they've all jumped in at once, but that's okay. Jack, is that you or is that just the program? Okay. Well, anyway, there they all are. We don't have to do the eight clicks to put them in. The goal, obviously, was Babylon, Silver, Meter, Persia, Bronze, Greece, Iron, and Rome. That's what it looks like. So I'll give you a chance to put that in. Yes? Yeah, it's your booklet, so you can do with it as you want. Yeah, but yes. 
Okay, now we'll look at the feet of the image. Are we ready for that? Are we all done? Yep, good. All right. Um, of what mixture were the feet and toes? Yeah. Partly of iron and partly of clay. Uh, what did Daniel say the mixture of the iron and clay meant? The kingdom shall be divided. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Ellen. Kingdom shall be divided. <coughs> um, let you get that down. The feet and iron and clay pointed forward nearly 1,000 years from Daniel's time to the breakup of the Roman Empire. This break. Breakup took place in Western in Western Rome between the fourth and sixth centuries A.D., when the distant barbarian tribes overran the empire. In time, their descendants developed in the various nations in Europe. Eastern Rome continued until the fall of Constantinople to the Turks in 1453. And here we have the feet of iron and clay, and that's the. Yeah, AD 476 to today. All right, question 12. What did Daniel predict about future attempts to unite these divided nations? He said they will not oh, adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. I'll let you get that down, and I want to make a few questions about this, or a few comments. Um, many attempts have been made throughout history to reunite the Roman Empire, only to fail. A form of unity for a brief time is predicted in Revelations 17, 12, and 13, but this points to a competitive system rather than a true adhesion. Potter's clay will stick to iron to a point, but the bond is not lasting. It is always brittle and easily broken. Daniel said they will not adhere to one another. That's the seven words. These seven words have stood in the way of world unity for over 1,500 years. Um, I'm going to have a look, quick look at Exhibit 2, um, page 13. From the head of gold to the feet of iron, and clay, the image of prophecy had been fulfilled to the very letter. 2,500 years of history have proved Daniel totally accurate. Uh, facts about Rome's breakup between AD 350 and 650. Western Rome was overrun by successive waves of Germanic, inv Germanic invaders. Boundaries fluctuated so rapidly that no single map could give an accurate picture at any one time of the disintegrating empire. Eastern Rome fell to the Turks in 1453. Uh, there's a chart there. I'm not going to read them all, but there's 10, and three of them disappeared from history. We'll talk about that a little later anyways. Attempts to rebuild a united Europe. The Roman Empire has been named history's Humpty Dumpty since its downfall in AD 476. All the king's horses and all the king's men have failed to put Humpty together again. Six notable rulers who tried to unite Europe by military force were Charlemagne of France, 
Charles V of Spain, Louis the Fourteenth of France, Napoleon, Kaiser Wilhelm, and of course um, our big hero Adolf Hitler. And they all tried, and they all failed. And why did they fail? Because Daniel said they were not adhere. Yeah. Historian Charles Downer Hazen says Europe has always refused to be dominated by a single nation or a single man. It has run the risk several times in history of passing under such a yoke, but always in the end succeeds in escaping it. Um, I've missed a bit. Peace pacts, trade agreements, and intermarriage between ruling families, especially in the period between 1850 and 1914. The popes were pretty crucial in saying who could marry who. And they were trying to unite Europe through the families. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but you know when Prince Diana, Princess Diana, married Prince Charles, um, there was a lot of criticism because they do that anyway, so you don't worry about a lot of it because you're hearing it today with, with the current royals and it's all garbage. But the one thing that they did point out when they were saying about Diane's, Diana's suitability was that when they checked her bloodline, she had more connection with the bloodlines of Europe than Charles did. Because his family were usurpers or conquerors and they had a small bloodline and Diana's links were spread right throughout Europe. So she was probably more royal than Charles. Yeah, so there you go. A little bit of um, um, quirky history, I guess. And I guess what we need to look now, now is this... Um, um, prophetic timeline. You can see where Babylon, Medo Persia, Greece, you can see where it's spreading right out to the second coming. And this is all recorded in chapter 2 of Daniel, dealing with Nebuchadnezzar and goes right through to the end of time, or maybe the, end, the beginning of eternity for us is a better way of putting that. Yeah? That's pretty cool. I reckon that's wonderful. All right. A dramatic end and a new beginning. What happened to the image and the closing scenes of the vision? I love this. Inasmuch, inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it broke in pieces. Oops, and it broke in pieces. There you go. The iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold. The great God, and this is, Daniel talking to King Nebuchadnezzar, the great God, he's now, because Nebuchadnezzar had no interest in the Hebrew God. And Daniel says, but the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. I love that. And the falling stone and the destruction of the image point to the end of the long human struggle for control of the world. A new world is to rise from the chaos. In past history, campaigns for world unity was largely based on political ambition or religious zeal. A far more urgent cause exists today, sheer survival of our race and planet. In its divided state, the world cannot cope with the destructive forces of our time. Ruin of the environment, nuclear threat, collapsing economies, crime, famine, overpopulation, an exhaustion of resources, total cooperation and quick action through a single world government are now seen as urgent. 
the great physicist Albert Einstein warned one world or none. A new world order is precisely the message of Daniel, but who will fulfill the global dream? Welcome, Rebecca. That's all right. We're sorry you're late because you've missed a lot, but there you go. It's all good. Um, I know Billo will let you look on his answers afterwards. Okay. All right. Question 14. Who will set up the new world order? And in the days of these kings, who is it? The God of heaven. Yeah. God Almighty, El Shaddai, whatever you like, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And it shall stand for how long? Yeah. Forever and ever. So reviewing Daniel's first prophecy or the first interpretation of the first prophecy. The gold head was again Babylon, the silver and chest, the silver, yeah, okay, bronze, Greece, yep, iron, yep, iron and clay, yeah, Rome divided, and the stone that fills the earth, God's everlasting kingdom, yeah. And when that comes, as you'll see in the little picture in the stone, come on, Jesus is coming again. Okay, question 15. Question 15. Daniel 2, 19 to 23, verses 26 to 28 and 36 to 44, who was the real interpreter of the king's dream? Um, just to read these verses, and we've got ten choices here, and I'll put them up. Daniel conjured up the dream and its interpretation out of his own mind. God revealed some of the details to Daniel, but left him to work out the rest. Daniel had inborn psychic powers by which he had forecast his coming events. Um, yeah, but... Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar that he had no more wisdom within him to reveal the future than any other person living. Every part of the dream and the interpretation was revealed by God, and prophecy is of no private interpretation. We must go to the Bible for both the prophecy and the keys to its interpretation. The question was, tick the correct statements, plural. There's six up there. Which statements were correct? Sorry? The bottom three. Anybody want to differ to that answer? Let's have a go. Oh, oh, there you go. Yep. Okay, so that's correct. Good on you, Patty. Okay. So. And question 16. Most important question. Not only Daniel, but practically all the Bible prophets tell us that God's kingdom will come. This is one of the great certainties of the future. Would you like to have a place in the everlasting kingdom? Would you like to write yes? And 
I'm not trying to coerce you here, but I certainly didn't want to leave my yes off of that screen. So it's up there. Okay. I'm looking at the time, and we're doing okay time-wise. You know, on those envelopes, those important things to consider? Yeah, I got a couple. I won't put them on the screen. I haven't done that yet, but I'll read them to you. So, um, I'm going to ask you three questions before we do the quiz. If you had a good chance to go through this prophecy, right, and um, if you agree with the statements made, or if your answer is yes, put a tick next to the numbers in those little boxes on the envelope, okay? Now, I've only got three, so it's only the first three ticks. If you tick four boxes, you're going to confuse me because I've only got three statements, okay? All right. First one is, does this prophecy help you to help to give you assurance that God's hand is over our world? If you believe that's the case, then put a tick in next to box number one. It's on the envelope. Have you got your envelopes? Oh, you got yours? Okay, quickly. I, they were out the back. When you come in and tick your name off on the form that you hear, you pick up the envelope. It's okay. We live and learn. We live and learn. It's all good. Yeah, well, you're going to do a quiz every time. There we go. Yep. So I'll read the question again. All right. Does this prophecy, the one that we just had today, chapter 2, does this prophecy help to give you assurance that God's hand is over our world? Yeah, you don't have to yell out your answer. Just put a tick in the box next to number one. Yeah. Now, this is an interesting question. Two, does it help you to face the future with hope? Interesting question. And you don't have to tick these, and I'm not going to start putting you in different categories with what you put down there. I don't do that. I don't even do that when I'm preaching and stuff like that. And number three is, do you see evidences around you that we are now living in the feet and toes period of history? Do you see evidences around you that we are now living in the feet and toes period of history? Yeah, Brexit. Yeah. I think there's a new party starting in England that's going to champion the Brexit. Yeah. They won't unite. They won't unite. Yeah, oh yes, I know. Um, and the intensities of them and everything. Um, it's been, um, there was one earthquake every so often, and it was like that for a while, but the last, what, um, since um, late 1800s, 1900, 2000, they've been increasing, increasing, increasing more, and they're getting more powerful too. Nature is groaning. It's sick of us. We've wrecked the planet. It wants us off the planet. 
Yes. Welcome, welcome to our age. Okay. I remember when I was at high school, uh, at primary school, high school, and we had seven weeks holidays at Christmas, and that was interminable. It would took it took many months for those seven weeks to pass, but now many weeks goes by like a day. Did you know it's also moving further away from the Earth? Yes. About two or three centimetres yes. a year or something like that. Yes. yes. If you go back away back in time, it would actually be on the Earth. You've got to think, don't you? Anyways, um, i got a quiz, a review quiz. This one's a real easy one because, look, I'll put it up there. All the answers are down the bottom. All you've got to do is pick the right one. No, this is the, the quiz now. No, there was only three thing, things to ponder on. Now we're going to check the quiz. Turn to your quiz page. What page is that on? Anyways, I should get a page on. Page 11, right? Page 11. Okay. Now, you've got lots of choices there, but I think you're only supposed to have one. I don't want to hear a peep out of any of you or the answer. What was the king's problem that caused him not to sleep? Was it Palestine? Was it Babylon? Was it the people? For me, it's the people. Um, no, Daniel, God, Greece. Anyway, so, um, anybody have an answer? You can put your hand up if you got it. C. The people. I. Dream. The dream caused him the problem. What was the king's problem that caused him not to sleep? Okay. Yeah, you get choice from all of them, not just the ones next to them. All right, now that gives you a chance to look at question two before I put it up. Okay, I'll put the question up. Oops. That's that great. Bill, I was looking. He missed it. Uh-huh. Two, who was the originator of the King's Dream <laughs> interpretation? Somebody got a sneak preview. <laughs> what do you think it was, Billo? Who was the original of the King's Room? Thank you. Yeah. All right. He's on track now. Good. Okay, number three. What did the parts of the image represent? Hmm. Should I ask somebody in the back row with their feet up on it? No, they haven't got the feet up. 
What did the parts of the image represent, girls? Kingdoms. Very good. Saved by the, the big sister. Okay, number four. I can't ask Jack, he's got them all up on the screen in front of him, so there's no point in asking him. <laughs> okay, um, what kingdom did the legs of iron represent? Sorry? H, H. The Roman Empire. Yeah, H. H for Harry. H. All right. And number five. There's only five. That's so easy, isn't it? What did the coming of the stone represent? Which number? G. God's future kingdom, yep. Okay. Um, who, I hate to ask this, who got five out of five? Who got less than five out of five? <laughs> Harry's really heading off for this prize that he wants, so I get this. All right. Well, we did very well, folks. In fact, I'm going to allow you to have a really big early minute. Um, it's been a pleasure. It's, it's always good. Um, are, are there any questions? Your name? And the result that you got for your quiz, because at the end of the quizzes, the ones with the most point will win a prize. I'll determine what the prize is. Yeah, back quiz. All right, um, here's a question for you. How will God's kingdom come? That's when, that's how. As a thief in the night, I like that. As a thief in the night, what a good answer. So what does that tell us? Be ready, that's correct, be ready. Yeah, all right then. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed studying the great global dream. Um, please join us again next session for the New World Order. So next one is New World Order. That's lesson three. Pick it up. Actually, hand it out. It should be on the desk there, Peter, with next to you. And if you can't make it on Saturday, you can get a lesson four as well. So for those who can't make it on Saturday... Don't do that to me. Yes, it is. You're right. Question, question three. Yeah, if they can't make it Saturday, they also need lesson four. Yeah, you got three, but they'll pick up four at the back. All right, good. All right. Yeah, I, I, I left the one out on the table, Helen, for those who might have missed it. And then we will um, pack up and go home, okay? Um, yeah. 
Dear, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence with us tonight. Um, we've enjoyed the camaraderie that we've had in going through this. I know Daniel 2 seems to be the baby story of it all, but we need to start one somewhere, and that's what you are. You're a God that starts with the simple, and as we go further on into the seminar, it becomes more complex and more more imagery and more information is provided. So, Father, as we endeavour to, to try and learn more about you and, and what you have in store for us and how to be ready for the second coming, Please continue to bless each and every one of us, Father. Take us safely to our homes. Watch over our homes. Keep the evil one away. And bring us back here safely for the next seminar. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Good night. God bless. And we'll see you. Sorry? The next one is on the... What's the date? It's next Saturday at 2 o'clock.